page 969 in the church bible uh, matthew 5 starting at verse 27 <clears throat> you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery but i tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart if your right eye causes you to stumble gouge it out and throw it away it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for, to, for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. As I say, short passage, packs a punch. Let's uh, pray for God's help. Father, we do ask that you would speak to us, that as we read these words, you'd help us not to dismiss them, or apply them to other people, but instead would you help uh, by your Spirit these words to go deeply into our hearts so that we are challenged and changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, imagine you are sat at home, uh, maybe you will be later, sat at home watching TV and suddenly there is a horrible loud noise. It, it, is, it interrupts everything. It's very hard to think with that racket going on. You can't concentrate on the telly because this noise just will not stop. It keeps going, keeps getting louder, if anything, repetitive and screeching. So you look around the house, you go, what, where on earth is this noise coming from? And eventually you find the gadget that isn't going to shut up and you take out the batteries. Finally, finally the noise stops. Fantastic. You can go back to watching TV now. Problem solved except the house is on fire. Congratulations, you just took the batteries out of the smoke alarm. The problem is not solved at all. As long as we think that's our biggest problem, it's just this annoying beeping noise, we are still in real danger. It's only when we take it seriously and we realise it's a much bigger problem than that, that the house is on fire, that we'll ever be able to get safe. Now in the Sermon on the Mount, which we've called the best sermon ever, don't worry, I'm not claiming that about this one, um, Jesus is dealing with people who've been treating sin as if it is just that kind of, it's just annoying beeping noise, it's not the fire that it really is. It's just a simple problem, just a small problem, rather than a really deadly problem. They thought of sin as just something we do sometimes, something we should probably try not to do as much when sin is much worse than that. It's a problem that goes a lot deeper. And until we realise that, until we realise it isn't just a surface level thing, a little beeping noise, we could, it would be nice to stop that, but actually the house is on fire. Until we realise that, we will never be safe. Tonight, uh, in particular, the sin we're thinking of is adultery. Now that's one of many sins that Jesus focuses on throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And as we focus on that one, we will see that sin is much worse than we give it credit for. Adultery is a heart problem. Adultery is a heart problem. It isn't just like, like the rest of sin. It isn't just an action that some people do. It's something that happens in our hearts long before it ever comes out in practice. So let's read verse 27 and 28 to hear Jesus explanation of what, what do we do when we read that command about not committing adultery? What does that mean? Verse 27, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her 
in his heart. Those are really serious words, aren't they? It's not just an action thing. It, it is a heart problem. Now, so we're all clear, adultery is technically when someone who is married sleeps with somebody other than their spouse. Now, that sounds quite straightforward, doesn't it? That is a physical thing. It's easy to tell whether you have done that or not done that. But Jesus says, actually, that can happen in the heart. So he starts off by quoting number seven in the Ten Commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You've heard that. You've heard that that was said. Don't commit adultery. And God's word is absolutely clear on that, that we mustn't do that, that marriage is a, a wonderful, a holy thing. It's a relationship of trust, of giving yourself completely and exclusively to another person for the rest of your life. So the idea of going off with somebody else, that ought to be unthinkable to us. Or to intrude into somebody else's marriage, disrupt it. That is absolutely unacceptable. You shall, shall not commit adultery. Now, now, so far, so obvious. Hopefully, that ought to be obvious to us, that adultery is a problem. But if verse 27 is all we have to say on the subject, that we shouldn't do it and it's a problem, then we haven't gone far enough. Because it isn't just a problem, it's a heart problem. Of course, don't commit adultery. But Jesus wants to take it to the level of the heart. Don't commit adultery in your heart. That means not desiring it, not wishing it would happen, not fantasizing about it. If it was just about not acting on those desires, most people could feel quite smug, couldn't they? I've never done that. But if it's about our hearts, that's much more challenging for us all, isn't it? In verse 20, Jesus says, our righteousness needs to surpass that of the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And on one level, when we hear that, that sounds impossible. The Pharisees were famously fastidious about law-keeping. They would have been the first to tell you how righteous they were. But in another sense, it's very, very easy to have a righteousness that goes beyond theirs because their view of righteousness was skin deep. It was so shallow. Their view of sin was so shallow. They just reduced the command down to just the physical act. And as long as you hadn't done that, anything less than that, well, that's fine. John Stott described their approach as making the law's demands less demanding and the law's permissions more permissive. So, so don't sleep with anyone except your spouse. Good. Short of that, feel free to go as far close to the line as you like. That was their attitude. And as far as what you look at, well, that's not hurting anybody, is it? No, says Jesus, that is not right. Adultery is a problem of the heart. It's a matter of what we think. It's a matter of what we want, what we'd like to do, not just what we actually do. Anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see how this is more than just about adultery? It's telling us something about sin, isn't it? Just how big a problem it is. More than our wrong actions. It's something wrong within us. Something that makes us long to do wrong things. While we're quoting great people from the last century, Martin Lloyd-Jones said of this, though a man does not do anything wrong, he's still sinful. 
Because it isn't just what we do, it's a heart problem. It's there's something wrong with us, a power within us leading us astray. Sin is like a disease. And there are particular symptoms of that disease, particular sins like adultery or other sins, but they're just the symptoms of that bigger problem in our hearts. So last week we saw something similar, didn't we? That anger, hatred, that is murder in your heart. We might be able to take this in other angles, and I think there's lots of room to explore this further, to say, well, is jealousy and greed, is that stealing in my heart? There's all sorts of ways this works out. And, and Jesus is saying, yeah, yeah, lust is adultery in the heart. In other words, if something is immoral to do, we ought not to want to do it. Horrible example now. Um, we can all agree, cat poo, not a good thing. Not a nice thing, certainly not a nice thing to eat. Hopefully we're all agreed on that. Don't do that. Don't eat cat poo. But what that means is if you saw one and thought, oh, that looks tasty, that would say there's something wrong with you. We ought not to want that. It's not just that's a bad thing to do. If we want to do it, that says something about us, doesn't it? And yet we want to do terrible things all the time. There's something wrong with us. There's something wrong with all of us. As has been said, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And so adultery, it's not just what we do with our bodies or what we do in our beds. It's what happens in our hearts. It's what happens in our heads. That made it sound like it was supposed to be a poem. It wasn't supposed to be, but there you go. And yet in our sinfulness, our, our tendency is going to be to downplay it. We might play it up in others. Can you believe what they did? But with us, it's not a big deal. Jesus is being a little bit over the top. I think God is a bit big to be worried about what I look at on the internet or, or the things that I think about. And, and the, like the Pharisees, we try to limit what Jesus is saying. So we might say, well, earlier on you said adultery is when someone who's married sleeps with someone other than their spouse. But if neither of us are married, that's not technically adultery, is it? That's fornication. So Jesus isn't talking about that. That must be okay. Well, no. As if the commandment, do not commit adultery, didn't include every other sexual sin. Or we might say, well, Jesus says, if anyone looks lustfully at a woman, that's a problem. Didn't say anything about looking lustfully at a man, did it? All the ladies are off the hook, aren't we? No. That is exactly the kind of slimy lawyer speak, no offence to any lawyers, that Jesus is condemning. They're sort of looking for loopholes, trying to wriggle out of it, that the Pharisees did all the time. They tell well, technically, I think I'm fine. No. When even just a simple reading of the Ten Commandments tells us, this is what it's always meant. If the Tenth Commandment is, do not covet your neighbor's wife, obviously what we want to do is a problem, not just what we do. And if that's not convincing enough, Jesus says this is a problem. It is a heart problem. And we were thinking this morning about Jesus' authority, if you're here in the morning service. Uh, how about this for authority? He can quote God in verse 27. You've heard it was said and quotes God. And then feels free to be able to say, but I tell you. As if to go, but now, you really now need to listen to what I say. Because what Jesus says, his take on this is the stance to take. So we might be like a Pharisee and say, no, look, but don't touch. And Jesus says, no, don't even look. 
to look at somebody lustfully. That's not neutral. It is sin. Sometimes this is translated as uh, to look with lustful intent. So there's something about the intent, the purpose behind it. So it's not about happening to see something by accident, accidentally glancing and then looking away. This is about looking deliberately, staring, gazing, lingering, watching. And since this is about our hearts, I think that's going to include daydreaming. Now, I don't think this is about just what pops up into our heads unbidden, but it is about what we choose to think about. As the old proverb goes, you can't stop birds flying over your heads, but you can stop them making a nest in your hair. You can't stop a thought from popping into your mind, but you can choose whether you dwell on that thought or not. And Jesus is saying here that second look, that beginning to entertain the idea maybe, that is a much bigger problem than we think. It's sin. It's sin in seed form. It's something that if it's allowed to go unchecked, it will grow, it will wreak havoc. And that's something that's true for men and for women. Both are sinners. I've been a pastor long enough, not just here, to know this is not just a young man's problem. And I think that one of the ways that Satan gets us with this sort of sin is to make us feel like we're the only person in the world who might struggle with this. When honestly, I don't think there would be anyone in the room who could honestly say they've never struggled with this or never been tempted to look, even if you'd never act on it. Sin is much deeper than the superficial. Adultery is a heart problem for everybody. So having identified that, that that's the problem, what does Jesus say about solving the problem? He's very stark and he says, cut it out. Cut it out. We use that phrase sometimes, say cut it out to mean stop it, knock it off, pack it in, cut it out. And Jesus uses that kind of example, but he, he takes that image to the extreme. So if you see in verse 29, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Again in verse 30, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. This is really gruesome stuff, isn't it? Chopping off hands and scooping out eyeballs, flinging bits of our body in the bin. Why is Jesus being so disgusting? Because sin is disgusting. He wants us to cut it out. If there was a cancer growing, the surgeon ought not to just leave it there or encourage it somehow. No, they do their best to cut it out because it's dangerous. And so this kind of graphic language is supposed to make us sit up and pay attention and say, look, if that's the problem, chop it off. It's as if Jesus is kind of preempting a... Um, an objection, you know, so he says adultery is a problem in our heart, it's not just what we do, it's lust, it's what we think and what we want, and somebody might say, well look, I can't help it, I can't help it, I'm only human, I'm only a red-blooded male, you can't help but look, it's these stupid eyes, you can't help that, can you? And Jesus says, well if that really is your problem, if it really is your eyes, gouge them out. Or are you not serious <laughs> about cutting out sin? He's saying, do whatever it takes to deal with the problem. Now, in the past, some people have taken these verses very, very literally. 
the third century scholar Origen. Origen was a great, great person in many ways. I've really benefited from his writings, but he literally castrated himself because he thought that's what these verses meant. That is not what Jesus wants. What Jesus wants is much more radical than that. Because cutting off our right hand is not enough. Cutting out our right eye is not enough. Because as other people have said, you'll still be left with your left hand. You'll still be left with your left eye. There's plenty of room for sin there. And the problem isn't with our eyes or with our hands. It's with our hearts. If it's your heart that causes you to sin, how are you going to chop that out and throw it away? We need to go deeper than that, to the root of the issue. We don't need new eyes or hands. We need a new heart. We need a radical change from the inside. So as we hear Jesus teaching on adultery, that ought not to make us just go, yeah, I I hate people who do that. It ought to make us instead look inward and cry out to say, I need a new heart. I need, I need to be changed. I need to be forgiven. I need to be renewed by his spirits. Because the alternative to that, of of leaving it as it is and letting that fester and grow, is horrendous. Twice in this passage, there's only a few verses, and twice he says that it's better to cut it out because it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. That's really serious, isn't it? That is really serious. Sin is the slip road, if you like, the slip road towards hell. If we turn onto that junction and we don't turn around, we will end up somewhere we do not want to be. Things will get darker, things will lead us away from God towards judgment, towards death. It is really that serious. And so we think, turn around, don't go down that road. It is really serious. And it's really stupid as well. When when you put that comparison side by side, why would we ever choose that? Why would we choose a short-term buzz over eternal joy? Why would we choose hell forever rather than purity now? Jesus is getting us to see those side by side and goes, it's an obvious choice, isn't it? If somehow losing your sight or your arms or your mobility or whatever it was, was able to help you spiritually, that would be a sacrifice worth making. Because adultery is not worth it, whether it's literal or whether it's in our hearts. I do worry if there are any of us who think this is actually not a big deal, when according to Jesus there will be people in hell because of what happens in their hearts. But if we see our sin for what it is, we will turn to Jesus, won't we? We will ask him for a new heart. Jesus, whose right hand was nailed to a cross, both hands, his whole body destroyed on the cross in our place, so that we might be able to trust in him and be forgiven and given new hearts. So we cry out to him for forgiveness and a fresh start. But we must realise, haven't we, we really got to realise that it is supposed to be a fresh start. It is supposed to be a new way of living, having not just saying, I'm going to try to not go quite so far or so fast down that road. I'm going to turn around and go a different way. 
So if we're serious about following Jesus, let's cut it out. Let's actually cut out these things. As Tony Blair famously said, he wanted to be tough on crime, tough on the causes of crime. I should probably do that with my hands. Like, tough on crime, tough on the causes of crime. Well, that should be our slogan about our own lives. We want to be tough on sin, tough on the causes of sin. So if there's something that causes us to stumble, encourages us to sin, let's cut it out. Are there places we go where sin is more likely to happen? Let's stop going there, shouldn't we? That's obvious. Are there times of the day when lust is a stronger temptation? Well, what are we going to change to make sure that doesn't happen? Are there programs we watch or websites we visit or apps we use that we need to amputate? And not even necessarily the obviously awful ones, although get rid of them as well, but it might just be ones which for you, if you're honest, it doesn't help what you think about. They're a a gateway to more unhelpful things. Cut it out, delete it. Maybe even get rid of whatever bit of technology is involved in this. To paraphrase this passage, if your phone causes you to sin, smash the screen and throw it away. It is better to be totally unreachable and behind the times with technology than for you to go to hell with the latest handset. Whatever it takes, accountability software, different things not going in different rooms of the house, and and technology aside, are there topics of conversation it would be best for us to steer clear of? Are there books we ought not to read? Are there people we shouldn't be seeing one-to-one or need to block their number? I think one way of applying this is to say that an emotional affair is an affair. Adultery, sexual sin, it is more than just certain actions. It is a heart problem. We need a renewed commitment. And so, yes, we need to cut those things out. But even just saying, I'm not going to do that anymore, that, is, that isn't enough. We need to not look at certain things, and we need to look Add other things. So, so to use Tim Chester's phrase, we need to be captured by a better vision. We need to look at the right things. So to quote the Beatitudes from just a couple of uh, verses before this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That needs to be far more what we look at, to be having God, his glory, so filling our vision, so outshining everything else. There's no room left in our hearts. We have eyes for no one but him. Now normally um, I will pray at the end of the sermon, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do that slowly. I'm going to pray and leave some pauses. And as I pray, why don't we use that time to pray ourselves, to pray in our hearts for the Lord to to impact us on this issue because we we don't want to be people do we who just switch off the smoke alarm we actually want to deal with the fire that's going on so so why don't we take a moment to pray heavenly father thank you for the clear teaching of jesus about this important topic we are sorry for our sins We're sorry for thinking that sin is just what we do. We're sorry for feeling proud.
because we don't do certain things when it's actually happening in our hearts. Help us to see in a new way that we are more sinful than we realised. Lord, we are sorry for our adultery. We're sorry for the actual things we may have done wrong. We're sorry for our lustful thoughts. Please forgive us. Please show us how you are so much better, your ways so much more satisfying than our ways. Help us to cut out sin, especially this sin of adultery. Help us to be willing to lose things, cutting off hands, eyes, whatever else, to help us fight for purity. Please would you change us now by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.